0: Okay, so uh, we put people on pedestals, don't we? Um, It's part of our uh, human nature to do so. The only thing that um, we tend to like better than putting people on pedestals is uh, taking great pleasure in the scandal when they fall, right? Um, And uh, neither one is good because... um, God doesn't want us to put people on pedestals, and neither does he want us to throw people under the bus, including ourselves, thinking of ourselves too highly, or or thinking of ourselves in a way that God never intended us to think. You see, uh, all of us, great and small, we're all a mess. That's what we need to realize. That's the bad news. It's true. But the good news is God is in the business of working with us messy people. So we want to take a look this morning at how that worked out in the life uh, of uh, King David in Second Samuel, chapter eleven and twelve, and uh, and and see how God delights in uh, in taking the mess that we make and making something good from it. So this passage of Scripture, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but we're going to read passages from chapter 11 and chapter 12 and uh, we're going to focus in on one of the darkest episodes uh, of David's life certainly and um, a, a dark episode among many dark episodes that God's word shares for us not that God delights in, in all the sordid details of, uh, of human misery but God shines through that and in the mess causes his will to to shine forth so 2nd Samuel 11 starting in verse 1 in the spring at the time when kings go off to war David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army they destroy the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah but David remained in Jerusalem one evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace from the roof He saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to find out about her. The man said she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness, and she went back to her home woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. So we're going to stop right there, make a few observations. So David is one of those biblical figures that we tend to put on a pedestal, right? Because King David, we celebrate the David and Goliath story. We just read that a few um, weeks ago. And rightly so, we point out the things that David did right. There were plenty of things that David did right david was a man of faith he was a man who sought to please the lord sometimes but david was a bit of a mess right just like all of us and in this episode we see him doing horrendous horrible terrible things and we have to be careful not to allow our hero worship tendency to belittle david david's um, egregious acts and say oh they weren't all that bad not only do we tend to put David on a pedestal we see that David had that uh, here in this story that tendency that we as human beings tend to have we can put ourselves on a pedestal and 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 allow ourselves to justify behavior that we know is wrong oh it's okay it really is not so bad it really doesn't apply to me and in fact It is uh, the case with David had been so successful up until this point, he kind of put himself on a pedestal and felt he was entitled to certain things, which deep down I'm sure he knew were wrong. First of all, we can take notice of the fact that it was the time when the kings went to war. But what did David do? He sent Joab, the commander, and his army off to war, and David stayed home. What was his thought process? I don't know. But do we sometimes, when we're successful, feel, well, I deserve a break. I can take it easy. There's nothing wrong with taking a break from time to time. If it's the time to take a break and, and, and we're working hard, but it's not the time to take a break when you send somebody else to do what you're supposed to do, clearly. And that's what David did. He felt this lazy entitlement that he didn't need to go off and do his job. Not only that, not only did he stay back when he should have been out with his men, but in verse 2 it says, One evening he got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. we got to set the stage here. David's a king, right? He lives in a big house. He lives in the best house. He lives in the palace on the top of the hill. In Jerusalem, on a hill called Mount Zion, right? Not a mountain like we would think of it, but, but uh, a, a, a steep hill. On the top of that hillside, just below where later his son Solomon would build a temple. But the highest building at this point, overlooking the the village, the city it's called, but a village in, in our estimation of Jerusalem that went down, cascaded down the hillside. The big house could look down on all the little houses. And Bathsheba was living in one of those little houses. Now, it was a privileged place because uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, was one of David's special forces in the army. The Bible calls him the mighty men. We read about him later in Scripture. So he was an important guy. He was, he was uh, uh, a, a valiant, valiant warrior who would do anything for his king. And he lived in that privileged place on the hillside In Jerusalem below the palace and what is David doing when it's time for uh, uh, toward toward the cool of of the the evening or or possibly before the Sun set so there was enough light to see Um, and in that part of the world it gets so hot they have siestas whatever's going on here um, David gets up from his bed and he goes up on his rooftop and he's looking out over the town now he is the king and so he's got this privileged place but that doesn't mean he needs to use his privilege to be this peeping Tom and look down on the houses below because uh, the 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 houses down there the rooftop was considered a room of the house like kind of like a deck we we the deck of our houses we would consider part of our house and we would do certain things on the deck and certain things inside but the rooftop of a house was considered private space that built up a wall a parapet around it so you wouldn't fall off so there was a, a screen from neighbors and and uh, uh but but David can see over that probably the only house in Jerusalem that could see over everybody else's privacy fence and David is up there looking down at Bathsheba. David put himself on a pedestal. And he thought it was okay to take certain privileges. And those privileges led to some horrendous acts. We shouldn't put people on a pedestal. We shouldn't put ourselves on a pedestal. We shouldn't put others on a pedestal because we're all a mess and we need to understand that. But likewise, we shouldn't throw people under the bus either. And Bathsheba, poor Bathsheba, throughout history, she has been the victim of getting thrown under the bus for no good reason. See, she, uh, she was doing nothing wrong. In fact, she was doing everything right. In fact, she was following the law of Scripture. She was... Uh, bathing which is something we should all do and she was doing it according to the rituals of the old testament law and uh she had every reason to believe that she was screened from prying eyes she was in the in her home she was on the roof and so she did nothing wrong and yet um throughout history um in in art in film, in biblical commentaries on this topic. People hint that Bathsheba was kind of out there displaying herself, hoping the king would notice her. Nothing in the text says that. Why are we throwing her under the bus? Because that's what we can tend to do. We throw people under the bus. If we kind of put David on a pedestal, oh, poor David, he, he, he was... He was was good at heart, but Bathsheba went and she was tempting him and trying to catch his eye. Well, that helps explain things a little bit. But no, that's not what's the case here. We don't need to throw Bathsheba under the bus. The phrase that we sometimes hear today uh, applies here, and that is victim shaming. She deserved it. She put herself out there. What happened happened? Was her fault? It wasn't her fault. There's nothing in the text that says that. One commentator said, "Well, she should have uh, fought against it." Well, let's let's take a look here at what what it says. It says, uh, first of all, in verse three, David sent someone to find out about her. So he's got the power of of his privileged position as king. The the, the somebody's going to be checking up on who she is. Um, and when he found that out, he should have waved off any thoughts to begin with because uh, not only is what he do- is doing wrong she be- and she is married to another person, she's married to one of his most trusted men. Of the many things that David does wrong in this passage, one thing that any soldier, including today, one of the highest acts of betrayal, is to cheat on your buddy's wife when your buddy is off to war. And then verse 4 it says, David sent messengers to get her. Notice that. It doesn't say sent a messenger. Sent messengers. Let's paint the picture. He's sending probably soldiers down there to this undoubtedly young girl because we don't hear about other uh, kids that she had and brought uh, later into the story. And she's beautiful, and and this beautiful young girl, and soldiers start knocking at the door. What, What choice did she have? The king wants to see you. Bathsheba did nothing wrong. We shouldn't throw her under the bus. We tend to be judgmental at heart from time to time but we just like we shouldn't throw others others under the bus shouldn't throw ourselves under the bus we can do a lot of victim shaming on ourselves as well I'm no good I never do anything right God can't ever use me right there's two extremes here we should avoid both of them putting people including ourselves on a pedestal putting people including ourselves throwing them under the bus We're all a mess and level before God, who is the Holy One. God wants to work with us, even though we're a bit of a mess on the best of days. So the woman becomes pregnant. David tries to cover it up, and I won't uh, read the rest of uh, chapter 11. You can read it, but long story short, David tries to cover it, cover it up, and, and uh, he ends up ultimately having Uriah killed. Not just Uriah, his special forces guy, but several other soldiers in the process. He, he has them killed. He is complicit, complicit in what we could call mass murder. Several soldiers to cover up what he did. And then he takes Bathsheba. To be one of his several wives at this point david's a mess we'll jump down to chapter 12 and god confronts david for what he's done 2 samuel 12 verse 1 the lord sent nathan to david nathan was a court prophet okay and when he came to him he said There were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. Rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. Poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he'd bought. He raised it up. It grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It's like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who'd come to him. Instead, he took the you lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you, your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword, took his wife to be your own, killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despise me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. That's what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you before your very eyes. I'll take your wives, give them to the one who is close to you. He'll sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I'll do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. It's a horrible story. It's a horrible story. It gives us many lessons about human nature. Uh, We shouldn't put anybody on a pedestal. We shouldn't throw anybody under the bus. And we should realize that we're all a mess and capable of horrible things but in this the thing that david did right is that when he was confronted he repented of his sin and that's no small thing right because we have all kinds of messed up thinking in our our minds we think we're entitled maybe to more than we borrow we're with shame that, god put there we're just full of messed up thinking and when god speaks to us because that's what he, he wants to hear. And how did he? David, in a way, he could hear. He took David, the mighty king, and the big house up on the hill, who could make a decision whether to go to war or not, and who could tell people go do this and go do, do that, and they'd even commit murder for him. David, this high and mighty, king, took him back to his days as a shepherd boy, and tricked him into coming off his, his pedestal and, and to thinking the way God wanted him to think. And, and, and in, in that story of the man who uh, was robbed of his little lamb, God got through to him and said, you're the one that is capable of that and so much worse. And David said, realized, yes, I have sinned against the Lord. It was out and he wasn't going to cover it up anymore. God speaks to us in a way that we can hear. Do we listen when God speaks? It's significant that David did this right. If he saw the king before him, God played with David. He'd get caught. He'd feel sorry, but he never repented. He never wanted to turn and follow the Lord fully after he messed up. So Saul was a mess, David was a mess, but David recognized it was a mess and he allowed God to speak to him. However, just because he repented doesn't mean that it all okay. There's ripple effects, clearly, right? Ripple effects of the sin that David committed. So, so many, more than we can count, but Nathan the prophet gives him some insight into the horrible things. Has done. To begin with, the 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 baby that was born of Bathsheba through with David, the baby dies. That and so much more. Civil war within the kingdom, all because David felt entitled and put himself on a pedestal. But God spoke to him and said he would forgive him, and David turned to the Lord so why did God forgive David when he did such a horrible thing we put people on a pedestal or we throw people under the bus To deal with all of us even in our mess in fact that's the only way God can deal with us because we're always a bit of a mess and so why did why did God forgive David let's not misunderstand david of scripture put him on a pedestal and say oh it was because really he had a good heart and that's why david uh, was forgiven by god if we look over and we read this earlier this morning in our responsive reading psalm 51 verse 4 this psalm in scripture is dedicated to david it's it's one of the psalms that uh the title says it's a psalm of david that either means that david wrote it or somebody wrote it about him. And sometimes people freak out. Wait a minute. It, maybe that wasn't written by David. Well no. It's, it was a psalm of David. It was either uh, dedicated to him by someone. Or written by him. Sometimes people get upset. If I point that out. But it's because of this hero worship we have for David. That we go beyond what scripture actually says. And insist. No David wrote this. Well scripture really is unclear on whether it was written by him or about him, but certainly it is. Uh, we are meant to think of this episode in David's life when we look at Psalm 51. And 50, Psalm 51, verse 4, we can think of David who said, I've sinned against the Lord. Verse 4, Psalm 51 says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. We need to be careful not to misunderstand this because David sinned against a lot of people, didn't he? Certainly sinned against Uriah, About the sinned against the people that were killed in that episode when Uriah was killed. He certainly... In his court, the... the messengers that he sent to get her and the the cover-up that he tried to get joab the general of the army he he sinned all over the place to all these kinds of people but what's being said here it's it's be what's being said is that ultimately it's god who is the one who judges sin is an affront to him and he is the one that deals with it god is the one who judges Psalm 89 verse 14 talks about the throne of God saying that righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne from which he executes judgment judgment and justice and righteousness and then love and faithfulness go before him. That is, God is a judge and he judges in righteousness and in justice what he says, what he does, his verdict but he does it with love faithfulness and mercy because David deserved to die for what he did Leviticus 20 verse 10 says if a man commits adultery with another man's wife the wife of his neighbor both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death and there's later on there's provisions for rape the man rapes a woman he's put to death the woman isn't anyway the law says that adultery is a death sentence and the numbers 35 verse 31 says don't accept a ransom for the life of a murderer who deserves to die that will be put to death David was a murderer he had not only Messiah, but soldiers killed David deserved to die so why, why does God let him off the hook well God calls an audible on this one right and instead of putting David to death, God shows David that the ripple effect of his sin is going to travel throughout his kingdom and and involve all the people around him. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. that, That doesn't sound fair, right? Doesn't sound fair to me. All these people are messed up because David messed up. Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice, the foundation of your throne, love and mercy, uh, love and faithfulness go before you. You see, God has this this vantage point that we don't get to see, right? It's like David in his palace overlooking the city used that vantage point to his advantage in in an unjust way. God, from his vantage point, looking over the whole world, sees things that we don't see and this is connected to that and that to this in ways that we wish we knew at times but we don't ultimately know and God uh, is able to cause all of that to work together and and God calls an audible here and in fact we we have suggestions in the Old Testament that the, the law itself was meant to be used by the the judges of Israel, the kings of Israel, it's meant to be used in a way that the letter of the law could, could be adapted so that the spirit of the law caused righteous verdicts to happen. In short, God does the right thing to forgive David because it is his desire to work with this messed up person. We may tend to think, I know I've been guilty of this as well because this little boy going to Sunday school, the David and Goliath story, that's that's an exciting story, right? And David did do many things well. And so as horrible as this episode is, I tend to think, yeah, but David had a good heart. And that's why God let him off the hook. And that's, that's not it at all. And again, we can misunderstand what Scripture is saying when it talks about David back when Saul the king was replaced by David in the eyes of the Lord. In 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, um, Samuel the, the prophet and judge says to King Saul your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. This Samuel said to Saul about David. And that phrase, uh, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, there's been a lot of mileage that has uh, has, has um, transpired on that phrase in relation to David that probably isn't an accurate depiction of what this is talking about when it says the uh, david's a man after god's own heart we tend to think well because he was such a good man right his heart was aligned with god's heart and certainly there's times in david's life his his, is he was faithful and his heart was aligned with the heart of god but certainly not in this episode certainly not Really, what is most likely being said here is that the Lord chose David. He was a man that he chose in his heart. In other words, he chose initially. But then Saul continually slid into deeper and deeper uh, sin and, and was taking the nation in the wrong direction. And so, God, in his heart, chose a new man. That's simply what it means. Not that David was so much better than everyone else David did good things David did bad things David was a mess just like all of us because in Deuteronomy 17 God says that he was going to appoint somebody that he chose when you enter the land The Lord your God has given you and have taken possession of it, settled it, and you say, let us set a king over us like the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king, the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Don't place a foreigner over you who is not an Israelite. The fact that David was a man after God's heart, it's the man that, that God chose. That's simply what it means. Then later in the New Testament, Apostle Paul in one of his sermons in the book of Acts, Acts 13, he quotes this 1 Samuel 13, uh, 14 verse, and he adds to us, and he and he shows ultimately what God's purpose was in choosing David, and that is this, Acts 13:22. After removing Saul. He made David their king. God testified concerning him. I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And then, Apostle Paul adds this phrase, he will do everything I want him to do. In other words, he will do my will. He will do God's will. Verse 23 From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. What was... Things just as there is no doubt many things that God wants to do with us. But ultimately what he wanted to do was create the kingly line through which Jesus would come. That was God's purpose in forgiving David. To show us the heart of God and his forgiveness ultimately that was made possible through his son. And so at the end of 2 Samuel chapter 12 verse 24. After the baby died that Bathsheba had, we read these words. David comforted his wife Bathsheba. He went into her, made love to her. She gave birth to a son. They named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. Again, we contend to put Solomon on a pedestal now, right? The Lord loved him. He was special. No, no. Don't put people on pedestals, including ourselves. Don't throw people under the bus. The Lord loved him because the Lord had a purpose. The Lord was through this kingly line to cause his son to come to to earth. And the Bible tells us God loves the world so much that he gave his son. It comes down to God's love. That's what it comes down to. And in this whole story, this whole messed up story, we. others no pedestals either for herself or others no buses to throw people under either ourselves or others we're all a mess that's the bad news but the good news is God's in the business of working with messy people because he loves us through his son let's have a word of prayer together So God, we're grateful that you speak to us in a way that we can understand. And so we ask that you'd cause the message that your spirit has spoken into our hearts to take root today. Help us to understand your love for us through your son, Jesus. Now as we go to communion and participate in that which we can't fully understand, But in our hearts, we can know is true that you love us because of the sacrifice of your son. Cause us to hear your word afresh and reinforce it in our hearts so that we can truly believe you work with messy people just like us. Amen.